Okay, walk me through that process. How do, how does mom give Joey the poop? <laughs> she just poops and gives it to them, and then they eat yeah. it. I mean, like, okay, but, well, look, it's, it's not it that looks obvious. Like, it looks like a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> okay, that was, that was my next question. Thank you for that. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. And I'm Richie Redding. Our guest today, she's the chief veterinary officer of Animal Biome. She practiced small animal medicine with a focus on internal medicine for over 10 years before completing a PhD at UCD in integrative pathiopathy. Pathobiology <laughs> in 2015, where she studied the molecular biology of salmonella infections in the GI tract, much like myself. A lot like yourself. I feel like I finally have an intellectual peer like on you're the show. Like yourself, yeah. Yeah. It's Dr. Dong King. <laughs> Don, <laughs> Dr. Not Dong. It's Dr. <laughs> it's Dr. Dong. Dong, Dong, Dong. It's, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. It's Dr. Don Kingsbury, DVM, PhD. In the house. ACVIM, so she's board certified in internal medicine. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, so, I finally have somebody I can talk intellectually. to. Intellectually, I know this isn't intimidating at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, can you uh, summarize for the, for the, the uninitiated what that means? Um, all those letters after my name. Yes. All that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a it's a normal progression for me. You know, it's it's basically the first word I ever said was horsey, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know that it just was all forward motion. And my um, family is kind of in medicine, so yeah, I think that you know you got to stay curious, and that's basically the path that it's led me from you know horsey to looking at cat and dog poop. <laughs> That's what I was hoping we were going to land on. It basically got really big, like the elephant behind you, and then it got really, 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 really small. Yes. You know, but you have, oh, maybe we're just all like incubators. Yeah, and you have so many impressive letters behind your name to be able to talk about poop appropriately. And so, yeah. yeah. Exactly. We so, love it. listeners, <laughs> buckle up, because you know how we usually talk about poop on this show? Yeah. Well, now we're going to talk to a poop doctor. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, that probably I don't know if she's ever poop referred specialist. to herself like that. Speci- I mean, see, poop specialist. Ooh, poop specialist. Yeah. Double boarded poop specialist. Right. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think the poop doctor might get you more follows. But anyway, let's start. I guess with a little bit, um, Doctor Don. Can we call you Doctor Don or Doctor um, Dong, with- whichever you prefer? Really. <laughs> Maybe really a little bit about the path that led you to animal biome, because obviously we're going to get into animal biome you know, very quickly. It's, it's so exciting and interesting what you're doing. How are you, you? Like I grew up always wanting to be a veterinarian and then I Mm -hmm. don't know, I just went wayward. So would love to hear about how you kind of got started. You kind of landed on your feet. Yeah, sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. So I have been so fortunate. Um, again, I got to do, um, when I was in 
say high school, I got to do a program that let me explore my you know, potential future careers, which are very, very different. Like one was like interior design and one was like veterinary medicine. <laughs> and so I got stuck in the veterinary medicine field and I really, really liked research. So I went on, I did vet school. And again, I think, you know, I stayed curious and I'm always, always asking why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. And, but I wanted to help people and it pets. And so I basically did private practice. Um, So got to take care of lots of cute dogs and cats. And then over time, you you keep seeing these same cases and the ones that you can't quite figure out. And so I was like, I really want to be able to figure out the ones I can't figure out. So I went on and did um, a residency in small animal internal medicine to try to deal with that. And I went back into specialty practice. And so I'm getting all these super hard cases Mm -hmm. that, you know, aren't reading the book, so to speak. And and then having to go to basically what's in human medicine to try to, you know, to solve the cases. Um, And still basically having questions and questions, you know, why, why, why? What were the, what was the why? What triggers our bodies, mammals' bodies, dogs' and cats' bodies, to overreact. So oftentimes I was getting cases of what originally was called idiopathic disease, right? They'd say, oh, this is idiopathic. Um, And for me, it was like, no, no, we're the idiots that don't know what's causing (laughs) it. Idiopathic idiopathic means means we don't don't know know what it is, right? It's a very fancy word. I was just going to guess that, Lisa. So basically, we we don't know what the cause is, so we're going to call it idiopathic. Mm -hmm. Uh But I was just like, ah, nah, that's just us. We're the idiots, right? Uh We don't know what's causing it. And And it's often an overreaction of the immune system. Yeah, so when you say overreact, is it like... Like, like inflammation? Yeah, inflammation, where it shouldn't be. So it's it's normal to be inflamed if you have a pathogen, right? A bad bacteria that's going to invade your body and, and cause infection. But if it's just the normal bacteria, then your body shouldn't be reacting, right? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be reacting to what you eat. Um, but if you basically have increased intestinal permeability, that's a big mouthful, mm. you know, so basically you've got leaky gut, mm-hmm. then things are getting in that shouldn't be getting in because that barrier has been disrupted. So, so why, why does that happen? How does that happen? And how can we prevent it? Okay. And why does it happen in like one dog and not the other? So with that said, can you give us the, you know, a a rundown of what your project is at Animal Biome, because we're going to get into it. Well, actually, I'm wondering, Dr. Don, was, so was the PhD program separate? Um, No, I didn't. It was, I'm so, it's so funny because when I first, very, 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 very first started, um, they, you know, they were like, oh, you should do a combination PhD DVM. And I was like, commitment phobe, no way, that's like way too much of a commitment. Um, and then I basically have serially done that. You know, I take a few years off and, and go, no, 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 I'm going to be, I'm going to be a real veterinarian. And then I go, oh, actually, I really like the science. Yeah. So what grade are you in? What grade am I in? Um, uh, I, 
I think it's basically surpassed um, grades. Are you, are you in 20th grade? <laughs> no, I would say I'm in like the 20 something. Yeah, the 26th grade or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's wild. You could really bully the shit out of some freshmen. <laughs> mm, yeah. <definitely. laughs> so, yeah, so I, I was here in New Zealand and I was practicing specialty medicine and all of those earthquakes came, right? And I had already been like, oh, you know what? I really want to be close to the science. And I already arranged with the um, University of Otago's med school to do a PhD. The earthquakes shut the building, so sat around for a while. And then finally I was like, you know what? I've had that epiphany. Like if I died tomorrow, what would I have regretted? A PhD. So I was went off and, and, and got a PhD in another earthquake zone um, in now, California. What brought so. you to New Zealand? Yeah, we were remiss where, where that we didn't Where are you from originally and what brought you to New Zealand? Yeah, you're actually, you're calling, you're zooming in from the future. Yeah, right. I'm in Tuesday. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so it was just, it was really fortunate, um, again, to be able to travel. And I fell in love with New Zealand. And I thought if I ever get the opportunity to come back, and as I was, um, my my husband was a professional cyclist. Cool. And as we were down here doing one of his bike races, um, I swung into the one bed school that's in New Zealand and said, "Hey, if you guys ever need anybody, I'm finishing up." Wow. And they like rang me um, a, a couple of years later, cool. so I was like, "I'm on board." Is it true that that billionaires are buying up? lots in New Zealand so that if climate change or a massive virus ever takes over the rest of the inhabitable earth, they're going to move there because it's like protected. It is. It's very, yes, it's very interesting because um, there are people who own property in New Zealand who actually can't come now because the borders are closed due to COVID. So um, it, yeah, if you want to buy property in New Zealand, um, you want to spend the money, then make sure you can get probably less than 60 and you get citizenship because right. <laughs> I think things are going to change. Right. But it's like the same people that will probably be on the mission to Mars that have enough money for that that are going to like populate that <laughs> are buying up New Zealand. Musk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like, yeah, they're going to be up in like orbiting and then they're just going to be like New Zealand. <laughs> right. yeah. It's interesting being on an island. Yes, I bet. it's um, water is a great border. <laughs> yeah. Can you describe to us the uh, the biome project that you're working on and the importance of it? Yeah. So um, with animal biome, it started out as citizen science. And that's like super cool because as veterinarians, it's kind of hard to get money to do research on animals which doesn't make any sense to me because we are animals, right? And to me, it makes more sense to learn more about what we're, our environment and our basically companion animals. These dogs and cats are living in the same environment as us and they have naturally occurring disease. It's not disease that we had to mutate a mouse you know, cut out a gene to get them to produce a similar disease as humans, they basically have naturally occurring disease. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I was going. The integrated pathobiology was also known as comparative um, pathology. So basically being able to take a snapshot of what's happening in our dogs and cats and compare and contrast it to what's happening in health and humans and be able to basically get money to do that. And the funding's not there for veterinarian um, projects. So Holly basically crowdsourced 
the project to do kitty biome. So she was like, you know, oh. here, pledge money, send in your cat's poop, and we'll figure out all the bacteria that are in it. Where can our listeners mail their cat shit? <laughs> <laughs> to, to basically to Animal Biome. They have fancy kits now. They're beyond, oh, um, kids, you know, kids. basically That's a good idea. crowdsourcing. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was the beginning. Yeah. That's how Animal Biome came about. Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. I, I mean, it's the same thing that like yeah so animal biome now can you walk us through a little bit about how animal biome um works i mean i guess you what know from biome from, in general right that, like, oh i guess yeah tell us yeah about the about the bio the premise behind animal biome i mean i think you sort of mentioned about you know gut flora and things like that and all the connections it has to everything that we do you know health everything that we do health wise right so animal um animal biome is doing 16s um, bacterial sequencing. So it's a molecular technique that um, you send in a poop sample in some ethanol or alcohol, and they can drunk extract poop. drunk drunk poop, drunk poop, the poop, drunk drunk poop. Yeah, <laughs> um, and they can basically extract the genetic information and tell you about all the bacteria that are in. Um, the gut to basically the, the, the bacteria that are coming out and the poop. Let's go on to maybe a little bit about how it works. So you get and, and why you would do it. So like, why would somebody do animal biome? Like if they're, I read one of the reasons would be if their dog had taken antibiotics recently or if their dog was sick or would you suggest this on a healthy dog? So who are good candidates? Who are good candidates? So, so basically a lot of dogs and cats that have gastrointestinal issues are seeking help. Um, beyond what they've found at their regular vet to try to figure out what's causing these chronic gastrointestinal problems. And oftentimes they can find that they have bad bacteria or like an overgrowth of bacteria, and, or basically they have missing bacteria, bacteria that are really, really important for making things like short chain fatty acids that feed the gut cells, um, or basically that they just have a, a mixture of bacteria that's not right. So a dysbiosis, we call it. So based on that, can you then introduce the bacteria, the good bacteria that they're missing or, you know, somehow neutralize the bad bacteria that they have in excess? Like, can you, can you prescribe that as a way to like that specifically as a way to level it out? Yeah. So things that we can look to in the past have been probiotics, right? So we basically have certain strains of bacteria that we know mm -hmm. produce beneficial effects. Um, but oftentimes these are not specific for dogs and cats. And so they, dogs don't have like a lot of lactobacillus. And so that, that can be actually a problem because some of their normal bacteria, their commensals that are protecting them from things like cryptosporidium um, will basically be so low that they can't mm -hmm. do their job. And so you might be giving a ton of lactobacillus and that makes the tummy feel good but you're leaving them open to going to the dog park and getting 
a bad guy. So what would you, I feel like lactobacillus is a very common strain in like yogurt, right? And for people, just like you said. And so what, what would you say to people who are like, oh, I'll just give my dog a little yogurt or what, what, yeah. What would you say to that? Or any just like over the counter um, probiotic, right? Cause they're not all equal, right? So what makes animal biome different and also, what would you say to people who think that they're going to give their dog yogurt, which is also dairy, which they're also usually lactose intolerant? But I'll let you take the lead there. <laughs> with no with no bias. She's, she's yeah. <laughs> not leading you at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's, it, it, it's trying, you know, being this person who's very questioning, I like going to the science. So I like seeing um, an article that says we did this and this was the result, right? And so you, there have been some studies now that show that certain probiotics like the yeast product. So way back, you know, when we used to call it brewer's yeast, um, so some of the Saccharomyces species have actually shown, you know, a beneficial effect in being able to actually support the bacteria, the commensal bacteria that again, make those good short chain fatty acids and support the gut cells. Um, but if you've got a, a dog that say has had an antibiotic like metronidazole or flagell, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that's wiped out a lot of the anaerobic bacteria, the bacteria that don't like um, being exposed to oxygen. Those guys are, a majority of the good guys. And if you wipe them out and they're gone, they don't, they're, they don't just naturally come back unless you put them back. So it might be that the dog goes to the dog park and, or goes and right. gets in the cat litter box and, and self inoculates himself. Or we basically have healthy donors um, that we freeze dry their poop material yes. and you can give that. Um, to yes, basically we're getting closer to what I guys. want to talk about. Go, go ahead. Uh, well, no, two things. So, you know, do, do do animals have the natural instinct to, like you just said, like to kind of replace bacteria? Like is, it, is like coprophagia or like poop eating, does that have anything to do with some kind of like gut level need for bacteria? I don't know that we've sorted that out scientifically, but intuitively it makes sense, doesn't it? It seems like that um, if you look across the animal world, you know, you've got all of these examples of animals giving their poop or exposing their, their babies to their poop. Um, there's a really interesting story about the koalas. So, you know, these cute little koalas mostly eat gum or eucalyptus trees, but they're very specific about what eucalyptus trees. I had no idea. There's like 400 different varieties of eucalyptus trees. They all have different tannins um, really? and they're very hard to digest <laughs> and they have, they, what digests them is the gut bacteria. So when these little joeys, and so they're marsupials and they keep their little babies in their pouches, when they're coming out of their pouch, they get poop from mom to give them the bacteria they need to be able to digest the leaves that they're going to start eating. There's cool. poop in their pouch? No. They, <laughs> the baby, they the joey's in the poop, pouch. Huh? And then when they're coming out of the pouch. Okay, walk me through that process. How, do, how does mom give Joey the poop? 
<laughs> she just poops and gives it to them, and then they eat yeah. it. I mean, like, okay, but well, look, it's it's not it that looks obvious. Like, it looks like a tootsie roll. <laughs> okay, that was that was my next question. Thank you for that. Do they poop on the ground and then it just instinctively picks it up? Do they poop in their hand and be like, "Here you go, Joey"? We will have to ask Katie who did the research because I wasn't there to witness. Um, but but there is literally the like if you go. <laughs> The um the zoo in in um, Australia they'll be like it's not chocolate. <laughs> That's funny. There's, yeah, there's a sign. When you say uh, you get donor poo, mm-hmm. are we talking? Do we grind it up into doggy pills, or are we going right up the keister with it? So yeah, there's lots of different ways to do a fecal microbiota transplantation, and some vets will do it fresh and and basically give it via enema. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Animal Biome, they do they do basically freeze dry it and put it in the capsule. So they screen donors first. They screen healthy donors, right? They do all kinds of fecal tests. Yes, yes. We're constantly screening donors, yeah. um, recruiting donors, rejecting <laughs> potential donors. Yeah, what kind of scrutiny is there? So basically they go through a whole entire um, questionnaire about um, their previous medical history. So they you know, can't have a history of allergies. They can't have a, a history of, you know, as you're talking about the gut-brain access of aggression. <laughs> um, so, oh. you know, again, there's so many different links. You're just like, we don't want to pass on the bad poop. You know, you don't want to get a poop bill, and then all of a sudden your dog's like, <laughs> Really? It could cause aggression? So you really do believe in the gut mind? Yeah, yeah. Wait, this is fascinating. Yeah. This is, this is so, so I, is I have no So is this something that you would that recommend for aggressive animals as well? Or for healthy animals. Yeah, again, there's the, the literature is just starting to come out that says, okay, actually, the the microbiome, fecal microbiome is different for dogs who are fear aggressive and ones that aren't. Um, mm-hmm. But again, knowing all of the ins and outs, that's still basically being teased apart. Um, so... Again, we just we just have to say in terms of our screening, we're like, nope, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> um, but we don't know, you know, oh, if we just give this particular species back, will it basically calm? There's certainly a lot of probiotic um, supplements or prebiotic supplements that are, you know, calm. You know, Prina's got one who they're saying like, you know, give this to your pet and it will chill them out, right? Right, right. Purina so has a calming probiotic now. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know what, I'm not quite sure what's in there, but so then for my, for animal biome, is it something that you would recommend for healthy pets or all pets as well, or just pets with like gastrointestinal or who have been on antibiotics? So that's, yeah, coming back to what we can do with the microbiome, I think, again, it can be a biomarker. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it can say, you can basically send in the poop sample, get it analyzed and, and yeah, and, and go, actually this pet's microbiome looks really, really good. Got it. And I'm, you know, and your pet looks really, really healthy. So that's okay. Good, good. Right. But what if you basically have a pet, you think it looks wonderful, but the microbiome looks all screwed up. 
you know, right. then you, you, right. then you can at least have that information and go, okay, you know, there might be something right. brewing. So we got to send in the poop, I guess, is the, is the answer yeah. to that and see. So right, Chloe, we're sending in your poop. Yeah, I'm just blown away <laughs> by this whole aggressive dog thing that you can, it's the mind, you can put body, aggressive poop in, in a calm dog and you wind up with I mean, I don't know if it's dogs. as simple as it's that. It's as simple right? as that, but... Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> it's way complicated. <laughs> yeah, no, the scrutiny for, for poop donors sounds like the same as for sperm donors. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. I looked into it. I'm not tall enough. Yeah. Uh, I've got I've got the education background. <laughs> got all that. But right. nope. Just got can't it. get on so my tippy toes. Yeah. So proud. <laughs> uh, I I guess, Dr. Don, do do you take a probiotic? Do you think for people that probiotic I mean, I, we know you're not a human doctor, but mm-hmm. are the ones that I take once a month when Lisa reminds me that I'm supposed to take probiotics doing anything? Because <laughs> I feel great when I do. Um I yeah, basically I tr- make sure that I'm taking fiber. I make sure that uh-huh. I'm t- taking lots of yogurt and kefir and mm-hmm. kombucha. <laughs> so so in those ways, yeah, I, I like fermented food. Got it. So you oh, keep healthy like sauerkraut. that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm understanding animal biome, right? So you send in a f- poop sample in alcohol, so a drunk poop sample, and then you guys analyze it and you give back any known strains that are missing to help them. Yeah. What you can do is, again, test the pet's poop. You can do the fecal microbiota transplantation capsules, or you, you you might basically go, okay, sort of everything's there, but you might actually get some benefit at, um, personalizing the nutrition, right? So you might want to give certain types of fiber, inulin, or you actually might want to increase the protein level um, based on say, you know, megamonas levels or something like that. And so it's, it's nice to be able to provide a biomarker for health. It's nice to be able to provide some personalized nutrition um, advice. And then once you do the intervention, then you can basically retest and see where you're at. And so we're sending in some poop. Yeah. And and what kind (laughs) of like, you know, empirical results are you getting from these? Are you getting healthier pets as a result of this testing? Yes. Um, It's like the, basically the database is over like 8,000 animals now. And so, again, it's really nice to be able to have the pre and the post um, samples. We were doing some lectures for the veterinary conferences. And so we basically put together some success cases where you're like, yeah, this is before they came to us with my one of my favorites is this little old cat who had a dental perfectly fine before the dental, had a dental, got antibiotics, like six months worth of diarrhea. Um, Basically had tried dietary trials, had tried multiple probiotics, had tried um, different fiber supplements. And like, they were basically on, it was like, this is the last resort. And so they gave the FMT capsules and boom, like everything, all the poops went normal. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and so it's really, it's great great to have those sort of success stories.
Poop question. Is the reason that two people eat the same food, but their poop smells way different? Is it because their gut biome? Yeah, predominantly, right? So, and that's yeah, influenced by their genetics. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's very cool to see Jeffrey Jordan's studies about twins. So there's like these studies where, okay, the genetics are the same, right? They're twins and they basically have different um, microbiomes. Oh, really? So twins would still have different microbiome. Based well, on you, what they you would eat, expect right? them to have very similar ones, but um, mm-hmm. there's definitely been some studies out of Africa where you have a sick kid and then you have their twin who's healthy and they were basically looking at the differences, which were most microbiome cool. Very cool. Is there a specific reason why dog farts smell exactly like dog farts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it really interesting because again, a lot, a lot Thank of people- Thank you, Dr. Dawn. I appreciate that. This is <laughs> I was going to try to direct us otherwise, no. but I mean, she took us there. So yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I have sort of talked about at Animal Bio. I'm like, you know- what, what really bothers pet parents? And I'm like, right now, my my poor old cat, he has horrible breath and he's like getting where he needs dentals like every six months. And, you know, I'm like, halitosis, bad breath. That's important. And that's all about, you know, the bacteria that are in your mouth, right? And that's the beginning of the gastrointestinal tract. And then the other end is the dog. The dog is always like, poof, you know, um, woo, let's <laughs> open the windows. <laughs> See, poof, uh, because they don't have butt cheeks. That's why they, they make that sound. That's yeah. why. Do your imitation. Uh, yeah, it's an imitation. But, uh, it, yeah, it's not really an imitation. Thing, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but and and they also dissipate quickly. You, you feel they 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 the volatiles are very. <laughs> they, they burn bright but fast. Yeah. <laughs> also, Wait, yes. Do cats fart? If you can, if you can just put them up against your ear and you can hear like their gut gurgle, then they've got gas in there, and it will eventually come out. <laughs> Okay, so is there anything that we haven't asked or anything that you think is interesting that we... Oh, a little bit about metronidazole, maybe. A little bit about use in metronidazole. Anything you want to touch on there? Yeah, it's it's very controversial. It's like one of these things where I'm like, I am so guilty. (laughs) You know, how many animals came into me and the owners were like, oh my God, my, my pet has diarrhea. And I was like, here here's flagell and how many times it worked. And that's, you know, again, what we're trying to figure out is like, even though we know that it causes horrible, horrible alterations in the gut microflora and some of those, again, lost species never come back, why does it work? Um, And the interesting thing is it works for some animals. And then when we've given it to healthy animals, more than half of those healthy animals got diarrhea when they were on it. So Hmm. again, I Hmm. think that it was what we did and it seemed like we were getting a good effect. But now that we know that it's causing horrible alterations um, and making pets more susceptible to other pathogens, like there is a recent paper out um, on tylosin, which is another antibiotic really commonly used for chronic diarrhea cases. And that, you know, is saying, okay, it's actually, you're actually setting them up to get salmonella. <laughs> you know? wow. um, you're more susceptible to get salmonella if you've taken this After antibiotic. Taking. And it makes, it makes sense. Um, but we, yeah, like 
now we know that with acute diarrhea, it's actually more effective to say give FMT capsules than it is to give metronidazole. Only if it's a cute one though. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. Got it. All uh, right. Well, You've been a fantastic guest. Uh, This is so informative. But now it is time to determine if you, Dr. Dawn, deserve dogs. You know what it is. It's time for a quiz about dogs and shit. I know you are an academic. Don't be intimidated, okay? (laughs) This is best out of three, multiple choice, dog poop edition. (laughs) Question one. In 2019, an Oregon man was arrested for attacking a former friend with an improvised dog poop bomb. He rigged a toolbox full of dog poop to an old airbag, which exploded when the man opened it in the trunk of his own car. I'll spot you that these guys were obviously white. But what was the make of the car? El Camino? Crown Victoria? Camaro? Or... They're putting pangolin poop in Gislaine's food. <laughs> Three. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning the Camaro? Yeah. That is correct. Yeah, yes. Of, co- of course it's a Camaro. What better vehicle to pose as a dog poop IED case than a sweet Camaro? So he, what did he do here? Hold on. He he filled a, do- uh, he filled a toolbox with dog poop. Oh my God. And then he rigged it to an airbag. That's crazy. So that when the guy lifted the handle to yeah. the toolbox, he got uh, f- uh, f- covered in dog poop. Crazy. Yeah. Oh no. And he got arrested for that. Yeah. That, that totally shatters my my like childhood memory of being in a car accident. And I was like thinking, like, I just need a T-shirt that says, you know, a Camaro saved my life. And now I'm going to think <laughs> the dog poop bomb. You survived a Camaro car accident? Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Did, did the airbag, was it filled with dog poop? Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you got to be who you are. Okay. It was an old model, didn't have airbags. <laughs> Question two. An article in Science Magazine about archaeology revealed that much of the archaeologic record for the Paleolithic era is dog poop. An archaeozoologist from the Smithsonian says that the best way to determine if a fossil is bone or poop is to do what? Weigh it? Smell it? Microso- microscopically examine it? Or lick it? Microscopically examine it. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, yeah, Freezing. the best way to do it is to lick it. You're supposed yeah. to he, lick it because it dissolves he, if it's dog poop, and it doesn't if it's bone. He says if it's bone, it will stick. If it's paleo feces, it will slide right off the tongue. Oh my it's God. much harder to determine though if it's dog poo or people poo. Oh my God. Okay, uh, this is to see if you advance to 26th grade. It's best out of three, so this is the rubber match. Question three. However, there was recently a groundbreaking study that advanced our understanding of the poop fossils. It determines if it was the work of man or beast with a new technology that measures what? Tiny butt hairs? Old pieces of corn? Lactate content? Or microbiome? The microbiome! 
<laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Some real smarty pants of a lady doctor figured out that the gut bacteria is exclusive to the species. And if you study that, <laughs> then you can learn if it's a people poop or a dog poop. Wow. But that you deserve, you deserve dogs. dogs. Yay, we knew that. <laughs> You did Yay. it. Congratulations on your greatest academic achievement ever. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> Where can people find you? At Animal Biome. So Dawn at AnimalBiome.com is my mm-hmm. email address. And we are based in Oakland, California, though I'm working remotely from New Zealand. As you should. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. We, you were an awesome guest. We really appreciate you coming in. And people, follow her and uh, send her your dog's shit. <laughs> Yeah, why not? They yeah, love we're, it. We're going to do it. <laughs> what do you think, Dr. Don? We should do it, right? We should send should in Chloe's it. poop. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do it. So we'll talk to you a lot more. I have every I know faith you're excited. that you're about to do that. About that, yeah. Every faith. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. You're the best. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Richie Redding. And I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. Yeah. And you can find both of us at our respective handles, those exact names, at Richie Redding, at Dr. Lisa Lippman. And uh, I just want to give special thanks to our editor, of course, who is Jordan Aaron, and our executive producer, King Joffrey himself, Jeff Umbro, of The Podglomerate. And you can find more of their shows at thepodglomerate.com. Some of the music in this episode comes from Breakmaster Cylinder. Make sure to check out the sponsors you heard in this episode because that really helps provide the show to you free of charge. Let them know we sent you. It also really helps people to find the show if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode on socials. Tag us at We Don't Deserve Dogs and let us know what you thought. We'll see you next week when we return with another episode of We Don't Deserve Dogs. All content provided on We Don't Deserve Dogs is for informational purposes and entertainment value only. None of the content on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to constitute third-party veterinary advice or any other third-party professional advice. The content We Don't Deserve Dogs distributes or transmits should not be considered as a substitute for any type of professional veterinary advice. Nothing on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to be used as a veterinarian's diagnosis, veterinary treatment, or any other veterinary service and should not be relied on to affect the medical therapy of any pet. Nothing transmitted to or from We Don't Deserve Dogs can replicate a true doctor-patient relationship between yourself and a veterinarian. Your dependence on the content of any information found on or transmitted by We Don't Deserve Dogs is at your own risk. For veterinary care and advice, please see your veterinarian. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.